Bonjour and a big welcome to the Good Life France podcast. I'm Janine Marsh, born in the UK, but I have had a home in France for nearly 20 years now. I write about France full time for my website and for a magazine, both of them called The Good Life France. And I've written four books about France, all in English. When I'm not working in my little converted pigsty, which is now a writing den, I am mum to four naughty puppies and nine cats who are all divas, plus a needy duck called Rocky and way too many many chicken pets. I mean, really too many. But I do swap the eggs for wine at my local bar so they earn their keep. When I'm not writing, looking after animals or travelling all over France, I just love to chat to you about France with my podcast partner, Olivier Geoffrey. That's a good deal, swapping eggs for wine. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Bonjour and bienvenue. Uh, yes, I am Oli, short for uh, Olivier. I only have one cat. Sorry about that, Janine. It's enough for me. Uh, she's British born. And uh, as I have uh, lived in the UK for 20 years, but when uh, I will move to Lyon, the foodie capital of France, in a few months with my uh, family, so next year, she will have uh, my cat to learn French because uh, French cats don't uh, mew the same way, obviously, than uh, British cats. <laughs> so, How does a French cat meow then? English-speaking cat would go meow. So what does a French cat do? So they do meow, <laughs> see, with that little uh, je ne sais quoi that we have in French. Oh, I love that. So that's us. And now let's get on to uh, the topic of this episode. What will we be talking about today, Janine? Well, as Halloween is coming up, I thought it'd be fun and good to talk about Halloween in France, how it's celebrated. Uh, we could explore some haunted castles, talk ghost stories and find out about La Toussaint, a very French event held the day after Halloween. Oh la la, it's uh, scary. <laughs> The Good Life France podcast. Everything you want to know about France and more with Janine Marsh and Olivier Geoffrey. So this is a question that I get asked a lot. Does France celebrate Halloween? Well, the answer is yes, it is celebrated, but it might not be with quite as much vigor as, say, the United States. So I'm often reading that the French don't celebrate it at all. But actually, that is just not true. When I first bought my house here in France in 2004, quite a long time ago now, Halloween used to fly by without so much as a flutter here in the sticks where I live. There weren't any kids trick-or-treating. There weren't any carved pumpkins on doorsteps. Uh, shops didn't make a big thing of it. If you were really lucky, you might get a few pumpkin-shaped chocolates if you went to the bigger towns. But that was really about it. In Paris, yes, for sure, it was a thing. Obviously, it's a big city. There's even a haunted manor house near the Gare du Nord that puts on a really scary Halloween-themed event. But I think that's year-round as well, actually. They love a bit of a scare there. But here where I live, no nothing. So over the years, that's all changed. Lots of shops now decorate Halloween style. Spiders webs are very popular and big giant spiders. We even have trick or treating in my village. I wouldn't say the kids dress up like they do in some countries. They do wear costumes, but generally that consists of, you know, a dyed sheet over their heads. And uh, Madame Bernadette down the road does their face makeup and then they go around knocking on doors and collecting sweets. But it is quite restrained, more so than in some countries. One of my neighbours is really into it. The first time I saw his garden decorated for Halloween, I was just driving home and I caught sight of a witch on a broomstick hanging in the shed. And there were all these like pink and red lights swirling around her. So I pulled the car over to have a look because I'm quite nosy. And frankly, I've never seen anything quite like it. In his front garden, 
he had coffins with lids swinging, skeletons popping up over the hedge as you walked past. There were smoke-filled cauldrons, really, really scary clowns. I mean, if you're if you're scared of clowns, which I know a lot of people are, seriously, this would terrify you because there were scary clowns pushing prams, pushchairs with like Chucky-style babies in them. There were cackling witches. They were quite tastefully dressed. This is France, after all. And there were ghostly things hanging and quivering in the trees. And the man who lives there came out. He actually runs a jeep there. I don't know what his guests think if they stay there when Halloween's on. But anyway, he came out and he said he really encourages everyone to have a look round. So two of my kids came out to stay the week after and we went to take them to see the garden. It's like a major event in this part of France. There were loads of people wandering around enjoying the spooky setup and there was disco music playing. The coffin lids were bouncing up and down. The witches were cackling. The clowns were terrifying everyone. Smoke billowing around. It was like, it was quite magical really. And the kids absolutely loved it. But the weird thing was the family that lived there, they were sitting in their kitchen eating dinner watching all of us, watching them, which I actually found even spookier. Ooh, indeed. And uh, were there any pumpkins around? Not a pumpkin in sight. Mm, that's what I thought. We're not big on pumpkins for Halloween in France, or not as big as some countries are anyway. We far prefer to eat them, of course. Absolutely. Me too. I, I've grown some whoppers this year. I have to tell you, this weekend I am going in for the village competition for biggest pumpkin of the valleys, and I hope to walk away with a title and call myself proudly the <sighs> biggest pumpkin of the valleys. Great. Fingers <laughs> crossed. <laughs> in France, we are as much into the horror aspect of Halloween than the fun side of things. We like to do things like zombie walks and zombie parties where everyone dresses up and wears makeup. So we look like the living dead for fun. And every year in Paris, there is an organized zombie walk. Uh, this year, zombies have been asked to gather at the Place de la République for the walk to uh, Place des Vosges on the 21st of October. It's going to be quite a sight. The makeup is usually very artistic. Ooh, uh, blimey, that could uh, that could shock a few visitors to Paris if they don't know it's on and you walk into a whole bunch of slowly walking, moaning zombies. That'd scare the bejesus out of me. You know what? I'm dying to join in. <laughs> oh, that is shocking, Ollie. Right, it's my turn. Want to hear a French Halloween joke? What do you get when you eat haunted French pancakes? I don't know. What do you get when you eat haunted French pancakes? The crepes. <laughs> More important to the French than Halloween is La Toussaint on the 1st of November, the day after Halloween, called All Saints Day in English. It's a national holiday in France, and it's all about remembering friends and loved ones who are no longer with us. It's traditional to place spots of brightly colored chrysanthemums on graves in memory of the departed. I really think it's a lovely thing to do. When I first came to France, I didn't know about this tradition. But at the end of October, all the shops were filled with big pots of chrysanthemums, like all these beautiful jewel-like colours. And they were so lovely that I bought some for my house and I bought some for my neighbours. They were quite horrified and explained the tradition to me. So I've never done that mistake again. 
There are several legends about how the tradition started, but it really goes back to the first anniversary of the end of World War I. The president at the time, Raymond Poincaré, and our government asked all French people to put flowers in cemeteries in memory of all the soldiers. Chrysanthemums were the best choice because of their late flowering and resistance to frost. Over time, it became a wider tradition associated with All Saints Day. It's so big here. I mean, it's everywhere you go in France. And I have to say, I always do take a pot to put on the tomb of a British soldier who died during World War One, And his last resting place is in our local churchyard. I looked him up and it seems he was the last of his line. So no one, none of his family are left to go and visit the grave. So we take these flowers and we remember him on that day. More than 25 million pots of chrysanthemums are bought for La Toussaint in France every year. But now, let's talk about some of the famous ghosts of France. <laughs> I like that already. From regal apparitions in Versailles to the moans of the Green Lady in the Grand Chateau, come with us on a spine-tingling journey. I can feel it already. <laughs> <laughs> so, our first stop is the majestic Chateau de Brissac. It's not only the tallest castle in France, seven stories high, it is known as the giant of the Loire Valley. But it's also said to be the most haunted castle in France. It has been in the same family since May 26, 1502, and is still lived in. I've been there a few times, actually. It's a really gorgeous castle. They've got a lovely wine cellar underneath where you can do a tasting. And they also have the most amazing bed and breakfast, B&B. It's, uh, I think, there are two rooms and they have four poster beds and tapestries. And the Duke of Brissac, who lives there, he actually pops into town to pick up your breakfast croissants. I love that Duke bringing you a breakfast in bed. Well, legend has it that a ghost called the Green Lady wanders the castle at night, though. She was murdered by her husband in the 1400s before the Brissac family lived here. Charlotte de Brézé was having an affair and her husband Jack found out he ran his sword through his wife and her lover and it is said that he pinned their souls to the castle walls. Charming. Now she roams the halls in a green dress, moaning in sorrow. If I were staying there, I'd definitely keep the lights on. Yes. <laughs> well, I can honestly say it never felt haunted to me. But I have stayed somewhere that really did feel spooky and this is absolutely a true story. So a couple of years ago, I went to Annecy in the Haute-Savoie region, which is a stunningly beautiful town with winding cobbled streets and lovely clear water canals and, of course, the famous Lake Annecy. And that lake is absolutely mesmerising. The water is gorgeous turquoise, like bright aquamarine. It, it's so clear. You can see the bottom. Now, all around the lake are restaurants and hotels and little towns. And there is one in a town called Talois where they have the Abbey de Talois, which is now a hotel. It's, it's really, really beautiful. It was built several hundred years ago, but during the French Revolution, like a lot of other buildings, it was pretty much destroyed. So legend has it that the huge Abbey belts still lay at the bottom of the lake, and it's been a gorgeous hotel for at least 200 years now. Cezanne, the artist, stayed here, and also the American writer Mark Twain. Anyway, I went there and I stayed for a night and I was chatting to the manageress about the history and she asked me if I'd like to see one of the special rooms. So I said, yes, of course, you know, who wouldn't? So she took me to this room. It was about five doors down the corridor from mine and all the rooms are like ex-monk cells, you know, so that they're very 
beautifully decorated, quite simply decorated and surprisingly big. But then she took me to this room, which was a bit smaller, and it used to be the old priest's room. And it's where a priest would go to pray on his own, pray alone. And it hasn't been redecorated since 1681. I mean, God, that is just such a long time. It's a stunning room. It's a complete time warp. And actually, the room is a classified monument in its own right. The walls are lined with frescoes of the apostles. The ceiling is covered with original paintings of angels in cherubs. And it's just got this really tangible air of peace and tranquility. So I said to her, I'd love to stay in this room. I'm quite happy to move out of my room and stay in this one. And she said that although the room is available for guests, they never let a woman stay here on her own. I was really surprised because the beds look comfy and there is this amazing feeling of peacefulness that you only really ever get from a very ancient room. She told me that the room has a special atmosphere, quiet and peaceful, yes, but not for everyone. And just as she finished saying it, the ancient window shutters that were hanging like a little bit lopsidedly over the side of the window overlooking the lake, they swung shut with this really loud bang I nearly jumped out of my skin, I've got to tell you. She said, it's just the wind. And then she said to me, do you like the apostle pictures on the walls? They're really, really beautiful, but they're strange. Every single one of them, and there there are lots of them, seem to be looking to the side or up or down, except one, which seemed to be looking straight at me. So I looked into the eyes. I mean, I stared right into their eyes that were staring at me. And then all of a sudden, the door to the room blew open again with another loud bang. I have to admit, the hair on the back of my neck stood up. She said, it's just the wind. But when we left the room, the shutters were rattling. Yeah, it could have been the wind, but it was actually genuinely spooky. It genuinely did have an atmosphere, even though it felt calm and peaceful and welcoming. And I've got to say, I slept like a baby that night in my room, five doors down. Yeah, it is just the wind, obviously. <laughs> I might have to stay there with my wife. I'm not sure she would want to, but I would love that. Right, let's head to Brittany now and the Château de Combourg, a medieval castle where it is said that the ghost of the Count of Combourg walks the stairs. Well, not all of him, just his wooden leg. They say you can hear it banging on the stairs more than 300 years after he died. I feel another joke coming on. Knock, knock. Oh, God. Who's there? <laughs> The Count of Combourg's wooden leg. <laughs> I'm going to ignore that one. Okay, here's another one. Another ghostly story, an animal one. This one is again from Haute-Savoie, and this time it's at the Chateau de Selenobe, which has a walled-up room in it they call the Devil's Room. It's a kind of asking for trouble, really, isn't it? You can't stay in that one, by the way. They say that from this room, you can hear the sound of stamping feet, powerful hooves striking the ground and a sound of rage, a roaring sound, but it's not the devil doing it. It's a horse. Yes, a ghost horse haunts the room and he's trying to get out and he only stops his noise at the stroke of midnight. It's said that the horse was carrying his mistress when an amorous lord tried to kidnap her and legend has it that nature saved her by creating a flood which carried her away but the poor horse was left behind and was offered a room in the castle and they walled him up. That's not very nice, is it? Anyway, yes, I think they deserve him to lose his temper and make them scared at that castle. Now we go to uh, the Chateau of Versailles, the Palace of Versailles, the bling bling. That's what we French call a bit of uh, glitzy glamour. 
the bling bling home of Louis XIV and his descendant, this place is said to be inhabited by um, several phantoms, ghosts. There is a, a famous story from the start of the 20th century of two English ladies who met with the ghost of Marie-Antoinette in the gardens of uh, the Petit Trianon. It was August the 10th of uh, 1901. One of the ladies was a headmistress, the other assistant. It was a very hot day and they finished visiting the main palace rooms and decided to visit the Trianon Palace in the gardens. They got a bit lost and saw two men dressed in green coats and three-cornered hats carrying shovels and asked for directions. Then they saw a man sitting near a Chinese-style kiosk and passed another man who gave them directions. At the Trianon, they saw a woman wearing a white hat and an old-fashioned dress, and they had an overwhelming feeling of distress and left. The women were convinced that they had met ghosts, including Marie-Antoinette, and wrote a book about it. It was a sensation at the time, but not taken seriously by the Psychic Research Institute. It was only 70 years later that it was discovered that there was a Chinese-style kiosk at the Trianon in 1774, but it had long been gone. How could the ladies have known of its existence? That's a mystery. Ooh, yeah, that's very, very scary, that one. Okay, Napoleon Bonaparte is said to have believed in ghosts. He apparently regularly saw an apparition known as the Red Man, who is said to have appeared to him at his coronation and also appeared to advise him against invading Russia, and then again on the eve of the Battle of Waterloo. The Red Man, he pops up over and over again in stories about the Tuileries in Paris. And one legend says that he was a henchman known as John the Skinner. God, doesn't sound good, does it? John the Skinner used to commit murders, apparently, for Catherine de' Medici, and to hide her secrets because he knew too much she had him killed. And it's claimed that he appeared to many of France's ruling elite, including Catherine de Medici herself, Henry IV, Louis XIV, Louis XVI and Marie Antoinette, always at critical moments of their lives, typically just before something horrible was about to happen to them, particularly at death. Funny how he never appeared to uh, ordinary people, only VIPs. He must have had the keys to their rooms. Spookies. Spookies? Oh... God. I like that one. Okay, you win the worst joke of the episode prize. Yes. I'm not even sure that I can try and better that one, but I am going to tell you one last ghost story, and this is my favourite one. It's about the Phantom of the Opera. This was a fictional novel by Gaston Leroux. He told about strange things taking place beneath the foundations of the Opera Garnier in Paris. Now, the book featured a vast underground lake with many tunnels leading from it. And unbeknown to Leroux at that time, the reality is that the opera house is actually built on top of a vast water tank. And to this day, mysteriously, it cannot be drained. They've tried. It just doesn't work. And rumour has it that the firefighters of Paris use it to practice swimming in the dark. Mm, I'm not sure that one is true, but yes, it's a good story, definitely. What a journey we've had so far. While these stories might send shivers down our spines and be a little hard to believe, maybe, they connect us to a rich tapestry of French history and folklore, and I love it. But now, it's time for our listener's question. Got a question about France? Well, ask the experts. We reply to you in each episode. And we do it for free. 
Yes, in every episode, we answer questions sent to us. Some are quite fun and some are sensible. So Janine, what is today's question? Today's question is from Sally Broad from the UK. And she says, is it true that it is the law in France that all households must keep a bale of hay available in case the King of France passes by on his horse, which may be hungry? Well, Sally, if it is true, it'd have to be the ghost of the King of France, that's for sure. But, Ollie, over to you. True or false? Is it the law in France to keep a bale of hay available for the King of France's horse? Well, actually, Sally, I think it is true. No, not really, I'm kidding. This is one <laughs> of those urban myths, or countryside myths, rather. It may have been a very old law long, long ago, but uh, the last time I looked, there was no royal family anymore in France. Therefore, no king with a horse needing hay. And I don't think the president of France goes anywhere by horse. Though I think he would love that, actually. So, uh, <laughs> Could you imagine that? <laughs> president Macron arriving at yeah. a do on a horse. That'd be great, wouldn't it? I can picture him. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> so if you are thinking of moving to France to live, you don't need to worry about having a bale of hay ready. No. Thanks so much for this question, Sally. If you also have a question for us, you know what to do. Send it to Janine at thegoodlifefrance.com, Janine at thegoodlifefrance.com, or as usual, via our podcast newsletter. This is The Good Life France podcast. Oh la la le podcast The Good Life France. And a big thank you to everyone for tuning in to our podcast. We have listeners from all around the world. And a massive thank you for sharing it with your friends and family. You've been listening to Janine March and me, Olivier Geoffrey. You can find me at parischanson.fr. And you can find me and heaps of information about France. Where to visit, culture, history, recipes, everything France at thegoodlifefrance.com, where you can subscribe to the podcast, my weekly newsletter about France, and our totally brilliant, totally free magazine at magazine.thegoodlifefrance.com. But for now, it's au revoir from me. And goodbye from me. Speak to you soon. The Good Life France podcast. Available on all podcast platforms on thegoodlifefrance.com and on parischanson.fr The most beautiful French songs of the 40s, 50s and 60s only on Paris Chanson Available on your mobile, smart TV, computer and smart speaker 24-7 Visit parischanson.fr to find out more That's P-A-R-I-S C-H-A-N-S-O-N dot F-R. Ah!